This is the One Step Better Podcast. Helping small businesses make wins each and every week. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the One Step Better Podcast. I am Mike Schaefer, and with me today, we have a very special guest. We have Rachel Gartner of CareWork. Uh, Rachel has been in the recruiting space for quite some time now, and so she's going to join us today, and we're going to talk through some of the challenges that are out there in the recruiting uh, world, in the hiring world, and hopefully gain some wisdom on uh, how we can better work with recruiters as well as how we can better attract quality candidates. So Rachel, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your schedule to join us today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Mike. I am always happy to talk about recruiting any day of the week. (laughs) That's awesome because I don't know if everybody is excited about recruiting uh, (laughs) as you are. Um, I know for us internally, whenever we need candidates, Mm -hmm. um, it is always a a chore to look at, all right, what are we, what are we really Mm -hmm. looking for? What is out there? You know, is the labor market in line with what we're looking for or salary Mm -hmm. in line with what we're looking for? And whenever we go uh, and do that exercise, it's always like, oh my goodness, I wish I had some (laughs) experts to help me figure this stuff out. And so um, I appreciate uh, your desire to love talking about recruiting Uh, Because it is, it's super helpful, especially for anybody that's out there hiring. And so Rachel, here's where I want to start. Tell me a little bit about your story on how CareWork came to exist, um, some of your background in recruiting and what made you actually go out and do your own thing. I'd be happy to. So I started as a recruiter for a nurse registry in Florida. And when I started, I was remote. I'm a military spouse, so I move a lot. And I knew the owner of the agency and she gave me an opportunity to be their recruiter remote. And they said, basically, what we're doing is just not working. So come on in, do whatever you want to do, just do something. And it worked really well. I set up some new processes, some new systems, a new approach. And then they said, that's going really well. Can you also recruit for one of our other locations? And then one of our other locations, and then (laughs) one of our other locations. So it got to be too much work for just me. And fortunately, that company was really supportive with me going off and actually founding my own company rather than being their internal employee anymore because they recognized this had the potential to be of huge service, not just to their company, but to a lot of home care agencies, which is what we specialize in. So that is how I got started. It's been quite the journey since then. That was in 2018. And I'm sure everyone knows the pandemic through a lot of really big obstacles in the recruiting world. And so it's been quite the journey to navigate all of that and continue to help our clients actually grow their businesses through recruiting and by doing so, keep my business sustainable. So if anybody out there is stressed about recruiting, I'll just tell you, (laughs) I've seen it all, I've experienced it all, and I can identify with your frustration. And then I can also provide some solutions because like I said, we've seen it all. We've done it all. So the home care agency mm-hmm. uh, world, that industry, home care industry as a whole, is notorious for turnover. There is always a recruiting need mm-hmm. that, uh, or a hiring need for sure uh, that comes into place every single week. How is it that, or, or what are some of the changes that you've seen over the past four years in that space alone? There have been so many changes, but you're right. They are always hiring. That is what we do is we recruit for them 
every day of the year. It's not on a position basis. It's just, we are always going to need caregivers. So just keep recruiting more caregivers. But some of the changes we've seen have really been in mindset because the recruiting landscape has changed so much. And a lot of people are stuck in this old mindset that if they're the ones that need a job, they should be willing to put in the work. And if people don't answer my call or don't show up to the interview, it means they're not a good worker. And I'm glad we didn't hire them anyways. And we've had to do a lot of education with people to understand that's not true anymore. They might be a great worker. They might've been great a great hire for your business, but they're busy people. It's not their responsibility to staff your business, it's yours. So if your hiring process is leading to a lot of people never getting on the phone with you, never showing up, it's time to re-examine your own hiring process versus blaming out. Now, I'm not going to say you should have a process where every single person picks up the phone and every single person shows up to the interview, particularly in high turnover recruiting like caregiver recruiting. That's never going to be the case, but you do need to plan for it and people really need to shift their mindset to taking that responsibility and doing that in a way that is respectful towards applicants rather than blaming out and blaming industry problems or blaming the applicants to take responsibility as a business function and really really say, if people aren't showing up, how can I adjust my recruiting? And also, how can I account for that to make sure I can staff my business in spite of these obstacles? You know, one of the things that I, I think we connected uh, with you guys, I think it was Shelby that connected with you mm-hmm. um, through a conference that we were both attending. And one of the things that Shelby ha- had mentioned to me is that, hey, this Rachel and Care Work, what they're doing seems to be a little bit different um, in this space. They're really using some analyt- analytics and some systems to determine the best approach. And so as you're going into a new client, what are you seeing as some of the glaring, man, this has got to get fixed? type of stuff that most caregivers that you're working with, at least on the early stages, um, struggle to get right? I will start by giving you a general answer, and then I'm going to drill down to one really specific logistical problem that we see. So the general answer is people are not tracking any of their recruiting or retention KPIs, or if they are, they're not tracking them accurately or frequently. So when you ask them, you know, how many applicants did you get last month? They really don't know. Or if you ask them, how many applicants does it take you to get a hire? They don't know. And so then they're recruiting from a place where every strategy that they try, every software that they try, every job ad that they try is kind of a shot in the dark to say, well, I know we need more hires. I know we need more people. Let's try this or let's try that. Rather than having the data to say, this is a specific step in our recruiting process where we're not performing as well as we want to be. Let's look at solutions that help with this step of the recruiting process. So starting to track that data and understand it, understand your baseline of how many applicants does it take you to get a booked interview, to get a successful interview, to get a hire, to get a retained hire. All of those numbers are important. So that would be just the general answer is people are not tracking the data. And if they are, they're not doing it in a way that is accurate, which is often because they're not doing it frequently enough. And they're going and digging back through a couple months of data, which is not going to be easy to get accurate data. The second, and this is just a really specific logistical thing that we see a lot, is having extra steps between a phone screen and an in-person interview. So maybe they do a phone screen with a candidate. The candidate sounds great. They're like, great, we want to bring you in for an interview. But first, Will you go fill out our online application or will you send me all of these documents and things like that? 
This goes back to that mindset of they're the ones that need a job. They should be able to put in the work, right? But if you have a candidate in today's market, they're going to get called by more than one business. And it's not their job to staff your business. It's their job to find a job. So when they go out, if they get a call from somebody that says, oh, it's so great talking with you. Uh, let's bring you in for an interview tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. I can't wait to meet with you. And then they talk to somebody else that says, it was so great to talk with you. I think you could be a great fit. Could you please go fill out this online application and then I'll give you a call to schedule the interview. It seems like a small difference, but it actually makes a huge difference. And we know that because we're tracking the data. So that's usually what we have to give the clients is to say, here's the data. We know how the average client of ours is performing in this area. And we can see that you're really far under that. It's probably just this extra application. Could they just fill it out when they show up to the interview instead, rather than, yeah. hey, it was great to talk with you. Go fill out this application. And then, you know, half the people don't do it, not because they're not good people, but because they're busy and they already got a job offer somewhere else. Yeah, that's always difficult as as the the business owner, business leader, HR leader, whoever is in you know in charge of that process. There's a balance between I want to make it efficient mm -hmm. for my team, uh, and I want to make it effective for my team, and I want to make it efficient for my candidate, and I want to make it effective for my candidate. And so as you get into a new client and you start to look at their processes, do you guys come in with like this is what we think is the idea? way to have your hiring steps, whether it's mm -hmm. phone interview, screen interview, whatever, whatever, what does that look like? Yeah, we definitely have recommendations, but for a lot of the clients we work with, we start by doing it how they're currently doing it because most business owners or HR directors or whoever we're working with, they didn't come to that decision overnight. You know, they've tried things over time and they feel like this works the best. And so a lot of times we'll come in and say, hey, this is what we typically recommend, but let's start by just doing it how you're already doing it. We'll do it for you and we'll track the data. And then after about a month, we can go back to them and go, you know, we tried it. Here's the data. Here's what we're seeing. Would you be open to making a change? Because now we have the numbers to support that recommendation. And also we have the numbers to compare to see if our process does work in their market versus what they were already doing. Because the fear that they have is if I cut out this step in the hiring process, I'm gonna end up with lower quality hires, or I'm gonna end up with people who waste my time. And so if we can show them the data to say you did this, and maybe there were a couple people that you met with that you didn't love, but you still ended up with more hires than last month, then it's worth making the change. So we start with what they're already doing, and then we get the data together to make an informed recommendation of, uh, what are our best practices? Because we do have a process that we think is the best, but we give them that time, try it their way first, get the data, and then give them a recommendation that is supported by the numbers. And that, again, you know, I'm obsessed with all the recruiting metrics, but that's why, because then you're not just saying, oh, I think your process is not good. You're saying, here's a data point I think we could improve, and here's a strategy for improving it. And although sometimes my guess is you probably want to just go in and say, this is not good. <laughs> it's really, it's, that's, that's wisdom there to say, you know, we're going to start with what you're doing. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be able to show you that it's not as effective as you want it to be. And then we're going to improve from there. That's yeah. interesting to hear. You mentioned uh, KPIs and, and maybe not necessarily what are those targets? Because I imagine they change by mm -hmm. geography, by, uh, by position, those types of things. But what are some, maybe the top three, if, if you're not tracking anything at all, what are the top three metrics that you really need to have a handle on when it comes to your recruiting and hiring? Man, 
That's a hard question for me because I love all of the data. (laughs) Track all of it, track all the numbers. Um, But I would definitely start for a business, start with the number of applicants you're getting. And let me pause briefly to say, this is for positions that you are always hiring for because that's what I typically work with. But I would look at the number of applicants that you're getting on a weekly or monthly basis. How many of those are booking interviews and how many of those booked interviews are turning into hires? That gives you a really basic hiring funnel to say, are we getting the same amount of applicants? Are we getting them on the phone and getting them interested enough in our company to book an interview? And then are those booked interviews actually turning into hires for us? Because sometimes people have a blind spot and they they are looking at the wrong area. You know, we have a lot of people that just focus on, well, we book all these interviews and only half of them show up, which in the home care industry is actually very typical. But what they're not focusing on is, oh, we're only getting, you know, 3% of our applicants to book an interview in the first place when the average agency might be getting 30 to 40%. So your no-show rate might be what feels frustrating, but it's actually a different step in the process where you have a huge opportunity to increase your hiring just by increasing that step. So that basic funnel, how many applicants are we getting, which means are my job ads effective? Is our pay competitive? How many are booking interviews, which means is my recruiter following up with them well? And are they presenting the office in a great way? And then how many are actually showing up, which is really, are we getting them through the hiring process fast enough? So that gives you a basic funnel. And I just gave you a little bit of insight into each one of those metrics because I can't help myself. (laughs) Yeah, I appreciate that. It's interesting because I I think it was... A couple of years ago for us internally, we started to really kind of ha- shift our mindset from, you know, we track everything when it comes to sales. Like we know first time appointments, meetings booked, demos given, percentage that are moving through the, the funnel, all of those things. But then when we looked at recruiting and, and hiring, it was like, we know that we posted a job ad <laughs> and that's about it, right? But the reality is if we have that same mindset of, of, you know, we can't improve what we don't measure. And so we need to start measuring these, these things. Then we can start to make improvements, those things. It's made a world of difference. And so I, I think you're absolutely right uh, in that we have to have some type of metric, some KPIs, some goals when it comes to our hiring. And I appreciate you sharing those three points because I think that's super important to understand. Mm-hmm. The reality is we have to do all this stuff because hiring is hard. Recruiting is hard. Why is that? Like you, you yeah. mentioned the old mindset of if somebody needs a job and I have a job, it makes sense for us to work together. But that, <laughs> that's, there seems to be a shift there. Why is all of this so difficult? Well, first of all, it goes back to what you were saying is that hiring basically is sales. And that's where people are losing that connection. They think I'm offering a job with money. But in today's world, people aren't just looking for that. They have a lot of opportunities. And that goes to a lot of things, but part of it is remote work. If somebody is in a smaller town or a smaller market now, they're not limited to just what's in their town. They can get a job from anywhere. So it's not just about offering them a job to pay the bills anymore. It's about offering them a job where they feel respected, where they feel valued. And that starts with the hiring process. So this mindset that we're weeding people out because they don't want to go through all these extra steps is actually showing them very early on that you don't respect their time and that you don't think of them as an equal. You're thinking of them as, I have something you need and you're going to jump through the hoops to get it or not, I won't pay you. You're not going to get the job. 
Well, they don't need to do that. They can work for anyone else. We know that there is a labor shortage today, particularly in lower paying areas, such as the areas that I recruit for. So we know they can go get a job somewhere else. And if they can't get a job in your town, they can get a job on the internet. If they can't do that, they can start a side hustle. It's never been easier to start your own business, to start something on the side to help pay the bills. So people have more options than ever before. And business owners need to start thinking of recruiting more like sales and really take responsibility for that. It's, it's not their job to make sure you have staff. It's your job. So it's your job to have a great place for them to work and make sure that they know that. Make sure you're communicating that throughout the entire hiring process. So so many reasons and it's harder than it used to be. But at the end of the day, we just need to kind of accept that and adjust accordingly, you know, adapt and overcome. Do you find that your the applicants that you're getting into your clients are coming from, uh, I guess, shifting from one caregiver or uh, one agency to another? Or mm -hmm. are these, or is it more, are you, do you do anything to attract people to the industry as a whole, or are you just, are you doing mostly on the placement side? Both, but I will say most caregivers are already in the industry. And actually within the home care industry, that's one of the things we're trying to change is to market it better, to help people understand why they would want to work in home care and the impact that they can have, which is marketing. It's the marketing that comes before the sales process. But a lot of caregivers are just job hopping, moving from one place to the other. And this is another area where we can recognize that and learn to fix it and also account for it in the meantime. So yeah, most of the applicants we're getting are already in the caregiving industry or have provided care to a family member. And we are trying to start marketing more and more to say this is actually a great field, particularly if you don't have current training, but you want to get into the medical field or if you're working retail and you want to work a job where you feel like you're having more of an impact in a different way, not that you don't have an impact in retail, but maybe you're, you're burnt out there and you want to try something new, home care is a great place to go. So we're trying to market it more and more to get more people in the industry. But a lot of times it is people that have been doing this a long time. Yeah. And do you, do you recruit just locally where you're at or do you have clients across uh, different states? all over the US. So you remember those remote jobs I talked about? Uh, I'm one of those. <laughs> My employees live all over the US and our clients are all over the US as well because the data that we collect and the way that we use it can be applied anywhere. You know, every market is different, but if you understand the data, then you can adapt to any market and to any challenge. Very good. So as you're going into these, you know, these different opportunities that you have uh, to serve the agencies, are there any just big mistakes that you see right off the bat that needs to get cleaned up? What are some of those top things? You mentioned the process earlier is mm -hmm. a little bit maybe shaky metrics, that type of stuff. But as far as, the, you know, the type of candidate they're looking for or um, uh, the, the job ads that they're having, is there any big glaring things that you're trying to fix really early on? Yes. One of them is not listing pay. I think there there's really no reason to list a job ad without listing pay because either you're not going to get applicants because they don't know it, or you're going to get people and it's a waste of both of your time. If your pay isn't what they're looking for, that's not going to change. Even if they accept the job, they're not going to stick around if it's not the pay that they need or want. So that's one of the first things we talk about is it's better to just post the pay, be transparent, 
let people find what works for them, and then spend your time on candidates who already know the pay meets their needs and are truly interested. So that's one of them. Another one, a lot of it just comes back to mindset. People are playing the victim role. And because of that, they're not addressing these glaring mistakes in their recruiting process because they truly don't think it's their fault. And so sitting down and saying, okay, I know you feel like everyone's just out there for the money, but it's a job. They need to get paid what they need to get paid. They need to pay their bills. So go ahead and list your pay and put it out there. That's a big one. That's a big one that we see. The other one, and I think this is related, is people in higher paying positions sometimes forget about what it's like to be living paycheck to paycheck. And I've actually worked with clients, you know, in the home care industry where they need to provide training to these caregivers in some states who are asking the caregivers to come in and pay $400 for the training that they need. Or they're saying, you pay for it, but I'll pay you back if you've worked here 30 days or 60 days. We'll talk about a way to chase people out of the industry. You know, they can go to Target and get a job paying the same amount or close to it without shelling out the $400. So that's a big one that we see as well is not thinking about the impact those kind of qualifications have or even something as simple as needing a health physical, which many jobs require. If they need to go pay for that themselves, that actually may be an obstacle. So staying in touch with what it's like to be paycheck to paycheck and doing that in a judgment-free way, which also goes back to putting the pay in your job ad instead of thinking, oh, they're just all in it for the money. Well, if you're somebody who's really struggling to get by, a dollar or two in pay per hour makes a really big difference, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's interesting. One of the things, I'm curious if you've had the same experience, is that you know, uh, 10, 15 years ago, there started to be a little bit of a movement towards trying to create more... Um, I'll say qualified applicants in every position. Mm -hmm. And it was the idea of, I'm going to start having a bunch of assessments, tests, whatever it is, whatever the pre-screening stuff is. And that really started with uh, more of a senior level position. Mm -hmm. And with the increase of culture being a super important part of, of a company, that same mindset has kind of shifted down mm -hmm. to more of your low wage jobs. All that has done is create friction points for an applicant to have to jump through hoops, like you mentioned, right. and and that's turned into well, like like you said, I can go get a job that is I applied online and I got a call and said I was hired the next day mm -hmm. for the same pay, and so the that mindset, while it can be good for certain positions, mm -hmm. you know, I don't want to hire, let's say, a CFO who is super underqualified or who doesn't align with our company values yeah. or who doesn't fit our team. And so I need to get some of that stuff out of the way early on. And maybe that's through, you know, 10 different interviews. That's going to look very different if I'm hiring a caregiver. Right. And so how, how have you seen the shift over the, you know, over the history of time to where companies are kind of getting back to, it seems like the labor shortage has really kind of caused <laughs> it, forced it um, back to more of a frictionless process. I agree. I agree. We see that a lot in the home care industry. There's still people, again, that have that mindset of, well, I want to make sure they're the perfect fit. And in home care specifically, you know, it is important that the caregivers are really compassionate people, that they're really kind, that they're reliable. But the mistake people are making is trying to add extra steps to their hiring process to figure that out versus get them in the door, you know, just get them in the door of your office and talk to them because that's when you want to do it. If you have an assessment you really want to do 
to make sure they're clinically skilled enough or to make sure that they have the culture fit you're looking for, you can do it at the interview. And so that's where people are starting to realize that, right, is I can't just weed out all these applicants anymore because I don't have enough left to work with, (laughs) right? There's not, you don't have just loads of applicants applying that you're like, let me really narrow down to my top choices. You have to really think of it like that sales funnel again, because every extra interview you add or assessment that you add is a, a step down in the funnel. And what happens in a funnel, every time you step down, you lose a couple of people. And that adds up over time. So I will say to the businesses out there that think, well, even for my low wage position, I really want them to take this personality test or I really need them to take this assessment. Or, you know, I've seen in retail jobs, they have them do like a basic math test or something like that. If there is something like that, that you really feel like we can't cut out of the process, do it at the in-person interview. Don't do it as a screening tool first. Get on the phone with them give them an interview or a hire and bring them in. And once they've walked through the door, you kind of have a little bit more of a captive audience. You can do an interview with them, connect with them personally, and then say, oh, and hey, here's our computer. We need you to fill out this assessment really quick. The other thing is in most of the jobs that I've worked with or most of the clients that I've worked with, they're actually not weeding very many people out. You know, We had a client that was absolutely stuck on this assessment that had to be done. So they got quality caregivers. We said, well, how many people are failing it? And they went and looked and they're like, oh, you know, 99% pass, <laughs> but it's weeding out the people who don't want to do it. And I was like, well, that that's a different thing. And I yeah. you don't want to do that. You don't want to weed them out. If it's really important to you to do it, do it at the interview. Yeah, that's awesome. 99% of the people passed. Yeah. So what are we assessing exactly? <laughs> exactly. But they were losing so many applicants. This was one where their applicant to booked interview percentage, like I talked about earlier, was way lower than our average client. And it was because they wouldn't book an interview until somebody filled out that assessment. And they thought, well, we're weeding out people that weren't great caregivers. And I said, no, you're weeding out people that got a job offer faster. Yeah. Like you're not, you're not actually doing what you think you're doing. So that was another place the data was very helpful. <laughs> yeah, that's they funny. made a change. So that I yeah, I would imagine so. Yeah. <laughs> Rachel, one one last thing I want to talk to you and then we'll wrap it up is uh you had mentioned that uh you're now moving into the senior living facilities and recruiting for mm-hmm. senior living facilities. How have you know what are some of the differences that you've seen from is it a process? Is it the candidate? What are some of the differences that you've seen in recruiting for home care agencies versus the senior living facilities? Not very many differences, which is why we made that jump. It was actually a home care agency that we worked with that recommended them to somebody who had a senior living community that they need more caregivers. And my first response was, oh, I'm sorry, you know, we only work for home care. And then I I thought about it. Well, they need the same labor pool. They need the same qualifications almost. And really what we've done is we have mastered efficient and effective recruiting at the caregiver level which is exactly what those communities need as well. So it's been very similar and we are just starting to really grow in that area because my goal for everything that we do is that better recruiting leads to better care because I work in the care industry. And if these businesses can get better at recruiting, they can recruit better caregivers, but they can also improve access to care. So on both levels, whether it's a senior living community or a home care agency, what they need is the same thing. They need more candidates. They need a better way of getting them through the door so that then they can really choose the caregivers that are the best fit for them, 
but also they can get enough caregivers to improve access to care for our communities. So very, very similar. And I think it's an area where we're going to grow pretty quickly once we put the word out. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. I, I wish you nothing but the best uh, as you as you try to grow that side of the house. One last question uh, while we wrap up is we, we always ask this to every guest that comes on because we want to learn and, and resource our audience mm-hmm. a little bit. But what's something that you've been using, whether it's a, a tool, a book, mm-hmm. piece of software, so, something that you've been using that's really helped you either personally, professionally, home life doesn't matter, work life doesn't matter. What's something that you've been using that's super helpful? Can I give two answers? Of course you can. <laughs> Okay, one, and this is so basic, I'm sure a lot of people already use it, but Calendly, the meeting scheduling app, I had one, I wasn't really using it that much, my availability was never quite accurate, and I recently went all in and I updated all of my availability, I made sure it was synced with my calendar, and it has made my life 10 times easier, because I'm constantly reaching out to people and needing to book meetings. So on the work side, I would say Calendly and using it well, It has also allowed me to more easily block off time for myself or parts of the day that I actually don't want to be in meetings. Because when I was going back and forth with people on email, and if they said, oh, I'm available at 9 a.m., I would say, okay, sure, I can do 9. But when I would set my Calendly availability, I set it for a little bit later because I know I need a few minutes to check my email, to organize my tasks for the day. And so actually using Calendly, not only to, to make the meeting process earlier, but to really be intentional about my availability has been very helpful for me. So that's probably the biggest one. But the second answer is, is on the home side. I got a new meal planning app that builds my grocery list. And for anybody out there, especially with young children who knows the grind of trying to keep everyone fed all the time and with all the right groceries and... <laughs> It has actually made a huge difference in my life because they have all these recipes. You just pick a couple. I'm not even finding the recipes. I just like look at their most popular and I go, oh, sure, I'll make those things this week. And then it builds me a grocery list already ready with all the right quantities and it sorts it by aisle. I mean, it's amazing. That's so awesome. I love that. <laughs> what what uh, what app is that? I think it's called Dashing Dish and it's one that's Dashing supposed Dish. to be more healthy also. So I've been a that's big fan awesome. of that one. My wife uses an app uh, like that. And there's most of the people in our office, there's an app. I forget what it's called. Twist? Whisk. Whisk. Yeah. And it, it does kind of something similar. And they, like, I mean, they preach that app from the hilltops yes. about how great it is. Yeah. So that's, that's cool. I would also yes. say Calendly. So I use uh, um, a program called Acuity. Mm-hmm. Basically, they do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that has changed my life. I yeah. could not agree with that more. Uh, it is, I do not book meetings outside of, of using that calendar Mm-mm. now because it, it is so much easier and helps me so much. So yeah. Rachel, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with us. Um, tell us, tell, tell of our listeners, where can they find you? Where can we get more information about care work, uh, and the yeah. work that you guys are doing? Awesome. You can find us at careworkus.com, www.careworkus.com. If anybody knows the person who's been sitting on the carework.com domain for about five years, let me know. But in the meantime, (laughs) careworkus.com. You can also find me on Instagram. It's at rachel.carework. And you can email me anytime as well. It's rachel, R-A-C-H-E-L at carework.us.com. 
I always love to talk about recruiting and I'm open to other industries as well. So if you have a high turnover job, even if it's not in the caregiving industry, I'd be happy to point you in the right direction. Absolutely. Well, Rachel, again, I appreciate your time. Thank you very much. It's been a great conversation. It was good to, to chat with you for a little bit. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I wish you guys the best of luck. I love what you guys are doing as a company. I mean, if anybody out there listening doesn't know, the people at this company are awesome. The customer support is really next level. So I'm happy well, I to I appreciate be here. the kind words. Thank you very much. <laughs> And for you guys listening, thank you for joining us. We're really glad that you could uh, take some time out of your day uh, to hear us talk through all things recruiting with Rachel. And if you have any questions or if there's any way that we can help you, please reach out to us at onestepbetteratworks.com. Thanks and have a great day. Thanks for listening to the One Step Better podcast. I really appreciate it if you would take some time to rate us five stars on your podcast player of choice. And make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel so that you never miss out on another episode. Thanks and have a great day.